Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 27 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, and this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. I'm really happy that you've chosen to spend your precious time with us today, and I hope you enjoy our show, because today Ashley and I have another evaluation show with David Jackson, a British expat now living in China. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. Do you often feel that your street photos all look alike? Are you in a rut and feel like there's nothing to shoot where you live? Or are you new to street photography and just want to learn what it's all about? If so, I recommend you check out Street Photography Magazine. It's a source of inspiration. It's there to help you learn from others who are doing the same thing you want to do every day. And it's a place to potentially publish your work to be recognized. We publish 12 monthly issues a year, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. And each includes an interview with our featured photographer of the month to discuss what they shoot, how they see, and dig into some of their very specific pieces of work. It also includes photo projects and stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And like I said, it's a place where you can publish your own work. For example, each month we include the Street Shooters of the Month article that features images from members of our community. All this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. So stop over and subscribe at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And one more thing before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that just today we launched a brand new Facebook group so that members of our community can get together to post photos, discuss street photography, and hopefully give each other constructive feedback and comments about their work. Now this is a closed group, which means you have to request to join it. There's a request button on the page which is easy to do. Just click the button. And we're going to be checking throughout the day every day to uh, make sure we get people at it as quickly as possible. So please take a few moments to join and participate. Now, it's connected directly to our Facebook page, where I know many of you already visit on a regular basis. But if you want to go there directly, we've created a special link that will take you straight there. And the link is talkstreetphotographymagazine.com. That's TalkStreetPhotographyMagazine.com. One of our favorite things about publishing a photography magazine is when we have an opportunity to sit down with a photographer to discuss their work, provide feedback, and get an understanding of their vision. And that's why we created the evaluation episodes, just like the one we have today. And here's a secret. I think we learn more than the photographer does. Recently, we had an opportunity to speak with David Jackson. He's a British expat living in China, and he's been there for the last 15 years. David loves to photograph life on the streets in China with his very simple Canon PowerShot Ixis camera, just a small pocketable camera that gives him the ability to photograph unnoticed, up close, as he explores the cities and towns of China. David works very simply without complexity. He doesn't use a lot of post-processing software. He basically publishes photos straight from the camera with maybe a few tweaks. David submitted three of his photographs spanning several years, both taken in China and the UK. Although our comments and David's photos can be seen on the blog posts that go with this podcast, however, I recommend you listen to our conversation with David 
as we discuss his work. So please sit back, open a refreshing beverage, and listen to Ashley and I evaluate the photos of David Jackson. Well, welcome back to another evaluation show here on the Street Photography Magazine podcast. And we have a very interesting guest today, David Jackson. And, of course, Ashley's here as well. Ashley Hunsberger, our editor. I think. Are you still there, Ashley? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, Hello, everybody. And uh, Hello. Yeah, and there's David. David Jackson is uh, well, He's from the U.K., but he's been living in China for the last 15 years. And uh, he's living in the city of Nanning. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, but, yeah, David spent most of his career in sales, software sales, things like that, but uh, decided to go teach English to the uh, to the Chinese. So, uh, David, ni hao. Ni hao. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Good morning to you. Yeah, good evening to you. So, David, to, before we get into your photos... Why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about yourself, how you happened to wind up in China, and uh, how you got into street photography? Well, uh, that's quite a, a, an interesting question, because I never planned on going to China myself. Uh, I had no great uh, pull towards China, I have to say. Um, although I'd been involved in uh, Chinese martial arts a little bit, in uh, Tai Chi and Qigong and healing arts, things like that. Just a little bit, just dabbling, really. Um, but uh, after, I suppose I spent 15 or so years uh, as a seeker in the new age, if we can call it that, ending up with a, a, a miracle-working guru in India. Um, at which point, um, I had a, a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, and uh, my life changed. Uh, and so what happened was, when I was living in North London one uh, November morning, I heard the Spirit of God say, you're coming to China at the end of the month at which point I almost fell off my chair uh, because in the natural, I couldn't see any way that that could possibly happen. Um, but sure enough, a door opened and uh, I came to China and with a couple of years uh, sojourn in Germany in around 2004, I've been here pretty much ever since, coming up to almost almost 15 years, this coming spring festival. Yeah, That's right. It's almost spring festival time. Is that when you get the moon pies? No, that's uh, it's, that's the uh, mid-autumn festival. Where oh, they those uh, those hideous mooncakes that even the Chinese don't like. Uh, <laughs> some of them like. In fairness, <laughs> the problem with with patisserie and baked products in China is that they don't use butter. They use a hideous, uh, you know, trans fat laden margarines and stuff. So the, <laughs> you know, there's some great food. There's some fantastic food here in in China. Some of the best food in the world. But the patisserie and pastries is, is doesn't really count amongst it. I have to say, unfortunately. And that goes for mooncakes too. Goes for mooncakes. <laughs> oh wow, that's right. I forgot that it was an autumn thing. So, what about your street photography? How'd you get into that? Well, um, when you graciously invited me to come on the show. I started thinking about that. I thought, how, how on earth did this all come to be? And, um, you know, I thought about it. And when I was a kid, um, we'd go on holiday to, you know, living in the north of England. Uh, I don't know whether your worldwide audience is familiar with British geography, but uh, Manchester's a, it's only about 70 miles from the coast, uh, Blackpool, Southport. These were the uh, 
places before the advent of tourism to Europe and Spain, before that happened in the 60s, you know, people would just go to the nearest coast, coastal town, which would be not very far away, an hour, an hour and a half in a car. And I'd take pictures now and again. My mum and dad would let me take a picture. Um, and then I was in the Scouts and I won a, a photography competition. They had a photography competition. I remember winning this photography competition and the, uh, the Burnley Express, Burnley is my hometown. That was the name of the local newspaper. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, their photographer came around and judged it. And uh, I still remember the photo. I can still see it in my mind's eye. And he said, oh, well, the reason this wins is because he's got foreground, midground, and background. I thought, what, you, what is he talking about? <laughs> I didn't understand it at all. Um, and then I remember I had an uncle um, who was a railway master over in Preston Railway, and he was a keen photographer. You know, he used to take amateur photographer magazine. When, when we'd occasionally go and visit him, he'd always pull out his slides. He had the, one of his slide projectors. Do you remember those? Those drum slide projectors because yeah. before computers yeah. and everything. Yep. And um, he, he won a, some competition. He was very proud because he'd won this competition of an autumn scene. And so he was an influence. And I think the first camera I ever had, the first proper camera, was um, a Russian Zenit E. Do you remember those? Russian Zenit, Zenit E. Mm. They churned out about 12 million of these things from a factory in, in Russia. And of course, they were very inexpensive. And uh, I picked one of those up. But then I didn't take a photo for like 30 years. I don't know why. I just, uh, I just didn't. At least I didn't take them with a camera. Maybe in my mind's eye I was seeing things and thinking, oh, you know, that'd be a good uh, photograph. Why don't I have a camera? But I didn't. Uh, until um, I was in China. And maybe that's what it was. It was seeing all these, you know, socially amazing sites and kind of weird things going on. It made me think, yeah, David, you've got, to, you've got to try and make an effort to document this in some way so i got a camera in uh, i think it was about 2006 it was a little um it wasn't even what you'd call a proper camera it was a little canon ixus point and shoot pocket camera <laughs> and i just started uh snapping with that seeing snapping the things that i was seeing all around me and uh, i haven't stopped since so yeah. that, that's how i got started yeah well you're in a great place for it too of course, you're so used to it, nothing's new anymore, right? Well, well uh, it's not Varanasi or Mumbai, which would probably be my first choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> India, India, I still think has it, right? India, or maybe New York. But um, no, there's always something. The, the, the problem we've got is that they are developing at such a rapid rate of knots and renewing everything, upgrading everything, mm -hmm. demolishing all the interesting areas of town all the old alleyways all the places which were full of hustle and bustle they changed the, the stall holder policies now you know this city used to be so bustling full of life now it's just sterile like so many other chinese cities that have been you know between speech marks modernized modernization equates to what it equates to some kind of soul they become soulless dead places afterwards looking like any other so that's the problem, really, is that the, the rate of modernization is this killing. In fact, my, one of my most favorite areas have just recently been demolished for a new build. Oh, welcome mm. to China. That's what happens here. Yeah. Very well, sad. But, you know, in, if you've been living in one of those places for 30 years with no running water and no bathroom, obviously you're going to be relatively happy to be rehoused. But when I spoke <laughs> to those guys there, some of them said, you know, we've been here 30 years. We know everybody. We know 
it's a community. They give them new 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 properties to live in with, with every modern convenience, but they could be 30 kilometers outside of town and separated from the people they've lived with all their lives. That's the problem. Sounds like you're in an interesting moment of transition and like you'll be able to capture some of that, record it. Yeah, I did. Um, well, I tried to do it. You know, they'd say, oh, you should have a project. You need a photo project. I said, okay, well, what could I do? <laughs> So I thought I, I'd do death of a community. I call it death of a community. And what they've yeah. done in this in this area that they were, re, you know, demolishing. Yeah. To add insult to injury, not only do they not, of course, they don't consult. It's not something you have any kind of a voice in. But then in, in the UK, it's the same. If they decide that they want to tear down your property to build a motorway, you don't have a say. Not really. Um, yeah. No, But you then don't. what they've done, they put these political slogans saying... You know, uh, hurry up and accept the compensation money. You will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Things like this. So it was just like horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. But uh, I photographed it. I translated the slogans. Um, it got about 10 views on Flickr. But, you know, why did I even bother? But I enjoyed it. And it's a challenge. So. The, um, yeah, when we were there, it was about a year, two years before the 2008 Olympics. And they were just just working like crazy to get ready for it and they just went in and wholesale tore down the hutongs and apparently there a lot of them are just gone now and they built these big apartment buildings move everybody out it was insane but like that's you say exactly that's right. progress what, i think yeah i think what happened though a lot of people started to get um, active politically about it, uh, inspired uh, embarrassingly, of course, for the Chinese by, by foreign expats who were living in some of those hutong areas. But then the locals got involved, and now uh, vast swathes of those uh, Beijing hutongs are protected. Really? They're protected. That's good. Yeah, so they haven't all been demolished, but a lot of them were. Um, so, you know, it's... <laughs> We take for granted a lot of uh, freedoms and rights that have been hard won, won over the years by you know various activists, but th those rights don't necessarily exist in in other places in the world, and uh, it's it's difficult, you know, difficult. Well, let's get to your photography. As before, David has submitted three photos uh, for our comments, and. We're going to have Ashley go first each time because she may be sneaking out here towards the end. So we want to make sure we, <laughs> we get her in there. Although it's good to have her for all the discussions. So we'll start with the first photo. Um, I don't know if you have titles for them. I just gave them titles. Go ahead. <laughs> what have you got? I don't have any titles. This is my favorite part where Bob invents the titles. I've got the Okay. <laughs> here, this is a very unique name. It's called Unicycle. Unicycle. Why ever did you make that name? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything else. I think we should point out before we begin, too, Bob, that all three of these images were taken with your little point-and-shoot camera, right? That's right, with my little Lexus. Okay, just put that out little there. Little Lexus 860IS. <laughs> okay, so the Canon, was it the Ixus? Yep, the Ixus 860IS. All right, so should I just jump in there? Yeah, just jump in. Tell us what you think. Okay, so... I really love how the shot is composed. I feel like you've framed the unicycle man just perfectly. The lines of his unicycle really draw your eye upward very naturally. And there's a symmetry on either side of him that I think brings attention to the many layers in this photo. Um, you kind of go from this dark place that you're shooting from to 
the texture of the ground where the boy is standing, then the crowd, the buildings, the rooftops. It just kind of flows nicely. And there's so many layers. I think that's really what adds a lot of interest to this image. Um, the height difference is also an interesting um, aspect of this photo. Uh, it's Because it's not just about these layers. There's obviously these characters involved. Um, so I think the little boy, to me, the way this photo is taken, my, my focus really goes to the boy. His stance, he almost looks like he's challenging this unicycle man who's so much taller than him. Um, and it almost speaks to one of those brief connections that you get with someone that you don't, you'd never expected to connect with. So that's the story I feel like is going on here. Um, what could improve this image? And interestingly, I would say maybe clarity. Now, I know you're shooting with a little point and shoot here, so that probably was not possible with your camera. But I think if you had had a camera that captured the faces of the crowds, everything with a little more detail, it would have completely changed the story here. Um, for example, if you could really make out the boy's face, make out the individual faces in the crowd, I think the story would shift from the boy to getting to know the man, the performer on the unicycle based on the faces of others, which I think would have been a really interesting angle. Um, so that's kind of more a what you were shooting with point. But all in all, really good photo. I like how it's composed and framed and everything. Um, just that one note, if you had had a different camera, maybe one that captured with more clarity, it probably would have changed the story in the in the image. I completely disagree. <laughs> No, I don't completely disagree. That's allowed. That's allowed. Um, so you're a you're a British guy. Do you, do you consider this guy a busker? Uh, I think we I think we probably would call him. Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, he in some ways he is a busker, but here in Covent, this is Covent Garden in London, where they have licensed street performers. So. The, you know, quite what the, the legal or moral distinction would be between a, a licensed street performer and a, a maybe just a more casual busker. Ah. Maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe there isn't. I don't know enough about the legalities to be to be able to say for sure. But um, definitely busking in one sense. Uh, but maybe also uh, more of a maybe upper category. You know, it's, yeah. uh, more of an organized. They're, they're in coffee. Yeah, definitely uh, a little bit um, more more professional, perhaps. Yeah, For, but <laughs> yeah, photographing street performers—that—that's um, I say it's easy, which is good. I mean, especially a lot of people are uncomfortable shooting on the street, shooting strangers. So this is a good place, you know, shooting street performers and things that happen around street performers. There is uh, a good way to break the ice, I think. But let's talk about the photo. Um, I like, I like the try at the very bottom of the frame, the, the way the light enters the, looks like he's underneath some type of overhang or something. And I, I like the way the light enters there and it forms a triangle. And then the, uh, the performer is inside the, the triangle. I, I like, I like that effect. And then it kind of opens up out to the, to the square. I, I think the crowd is too far away to have captured any detail in their faces even if you did they're they're just too far i like the idea of photographing people's reactions to thing as things as opposed to photographing the thing itself and so actually makes a good point there but that's you know a complete different picture and position um 
And I just love the little guy looking up to the uh, <laughs> looking up to the performer. I wish there was more light on the kid, which you can do in post. I don't know if you do much post processing, but um, I would uh, I would burn in his face a little bit and maybe even put a little light on the back of the performer. And to me, the 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 fact that the crowd is so much lighter than the main subjects it tends to pull my eye away from them and mm -hmm. I, and i you know i think you've got such a such a strong um just such a strong scene with the boy looking up at the performer i think it'd be better if you had more light on them and darken up the crowd a little bit um just my opinion yeah. Uh, well, thank thank you both for your your comments. It's it's, it's a really strange experience to to have input <laughs> in, into my photos because I've never had that before. I and mean, it's it's a real uh, you're blowing my mind because you're you're coming up with things that I hadn't even considered, yeah. uh, even for a nanosecond. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much. And, and take it well, for what it's worth. Using you with like different perspectives and yeah. points of views, but I guess I, every photo is like that. Yeah, it is. You know what I thought you were going to say, you guys? I thought they're going to look at this photo and they're going to say that he's he's over vignetted it because here's the thing. Um, you know, I I don't have an ability to uh, get the necessary tools to do post production stuff. Mm -hmm. I just use. Uh, what does he call Photoscape because it's free and it's strictly it's limited to, to what you can do really so what you the stuff you're talking about lightening up his back and putting light on his face a i don't know how to do it and b i don't have a, at least i don't think i can do that on my freebie photoscape thing so uh, i have to plead ignorance there i thought you were going to say look the the vignette the vignette's too strong you should have you know not been quite so ridiculous on the at the you know the beginning of the frame at the bottom you should toned it down a little bit that's what i was expecting you guys to say really <laughs> i like it i felt like it's it's like you're in some dark place yeah. by yourself and all this is unfolding in front of you <laughs> well, actually 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 that's exactly right if i if i recall properly it was kind of like under a small eaved place i sort of snuck around the back and just you know boldly stepped forward a few paces to grab the shot uh, i said if the kid can again, do it no, so can i <laughs> well, yes. If a kid's unfazed, why shouldn't I be? <laughs> you certainly don't have to post-process it, uh, but yeah, a little more light on the on the boy, I think, would uh, uh, would highlight him yeah, more. No, I think, yeah, you're right. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So next photo. This is a color photo, and I'll call this one two six five seven. <laughs> That's a good title, actually. Would you like a job naming all my photos? Uh, you've, you've got an action. Just, just send them over. Give me a link. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll have a name very quickly. So, so, uh, so, Ashley, so what do you think? Okay, I really like this image. Um, I feel like it draws me in because, one, I can't really tell what's happening. And, two, it, it looks really intimate, almost to the point of being uncomfortable. And then the colors, I love the colors there. Um, I feel like they're a really important part of this shot. So those three things, one by one, the neon background, well, I'll start with the colors, it's in no particular order. <laughs> the neon background with, I feel like it contrasts with the older people 
for some reason. It's like you have captured concepts of old and new that are clashing. I really like that about it. I feel like it creates a good tension in the image. Um, okay, so then the fact that I don't really know what's going on here also makes me take a second look, which is really good. I have to stop and look at this and say, what in the world is actually going on here? Where are they? It's hard to tell. And then the fact that it's a very intimate photo, it's you're very close to them. Um, I think their position, your proximity, make this shot really nice. You got close, and it seems like they acknowledge that you're there, but it's almost like they're so into one another that they don't care, as if they were two teenagers on the street, and they're holding this intimate pose anyway. I think it's very... It looks very raw to me. It looks very human to me. Um, the story I get from it is that even as we get older and we age, we still seek affection. So I would say big capturing the human element points on this one. What do you think, Thank Bob? You. I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I like this one a lot. I like photos of older people. And that's one thing I really like to do is photograph older people. I think their faces just tell the story of their lives and uh, they're not uh, not very pretentious they're not trying to look you know beautiful and sexy they're just, they're themselves i think you just you did a, such a nice job of just capturing these people i love their expressions you know they're not trying to smile they're not trying to pose they're just there being themselves particularly the lady in the front her expression i think is priceless. I'm glad she's not looking at the camera. You know, I, I like the fact that the gentleman's looking at the camera and she's not, and she seems just to be thinking and makes me wonder what she's thinking about. I didn't didn't think anything about closeness or, or I forget the word you used, Ashley, but, uh, but uh, you know, it looks like they've been together for a long time and they're comfortable together. Somehow you were able to get this photo. I know your your lens must be maybe like a 27 millimeter equivalent on a small camera like that, so you're nice and close. And and when you get close like that with a, with a wider lens, it tends to exaggerate the facial features a little bit. Um, yeah, and the background is perfect. If it would have been just a white background or a gray background, I don't think it would be uh, nearly as interesting. And uh, I was going to say... It'd be nice if there's a little more light on, on the gentleman's eyes, but you don't have the ability to make those changes, so don't even worry about it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this is, uh, of the three, this this is my favorite. I, I like it a lot. Your comments, both of your comments are, are very interesting uh, for me because this this was a special day. This was the 60th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic in 1949. And what you're saying, actually, about um, I think they they this couple this is a this is like a live TV feed from Beijing, a celebration of that founding of, of of modern China. And my guess is, looking at their age, that they were probably students at that time or very young people mm -hmm. at that time and participated in some way. And you know, the thing that drew my eye with them, uh, apart from the fact that they have very interesting faces individually, was that it's very unusual in China, especially for people of this generation in public, to show any dis display of affection. Mm -hmm. Very, very unusual. 
Um, so that was what 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 pulled me in, and then I think I just got lucky really with uh, that background and the, and the skin tones. Of course, I, I I cranked up the saturation a little bit and the contrast, uh, but still, um, I just got lucky. Yes, with it. Yeah. Did they react to you at all after you took the photo? You know, to be honest, it was 2009. That's about nine, ten, how many years ago? I can't remember. Forgive me, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. If they did, it wasn't memorable. <laughs> the yeah. reaction. No, it's not like it's not like the old guy who chased me down the road wanting to cut my head off with his machete because I took a photo of him once. But uh, <laughs> no, they, yeah. they didn't go crazy. That's much more memorable. <laughs> Let's do the third photo. Ashley, go ahead. Okay, so... Oh, the name of the photo. Your title, yes. Woman and Child. <laughs> wow, Bob. <laughs> hey, it's a gift. Sometimes it it's a curse, but it's a gift. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> just in case anyone listening has not seen these photos yet, um, this third image looks like two people, a, a mother and a child maybe, who perhaps are living on the street. So um, just this image definitely tells a story, but I guess you could perhaps call it an uncomfortable truth, which makes for a touchy subject. Ooh, I like that. What I do like about it is the contrast between the woman and the baby. I feel like there's harmony between them because, well, one, because they have a shared situation, but also because they're leaning in towards one another. Um, so that kind of gives them... A togetherness, I'm not sure how to say it. But at the same time, their gazes immediately convey a sense of the huge gap between between them, between innocence and maybe cynicism, hope and weariness. I feel like you get those two feelings. One, because the the child is basically a baby, so he still looks very innocent, but the woman's gaze looks like she's had a very difficult life. Um, so I think that makes this image tell a story and it gives it interest. However, it's a very powerful story, but it's a hard one to tell without giving the viewer a feeling that you might have stripped the dignity from a person who needs it more than most people. So I think that could be a problem with this image, despite the fact that it has good documentary and storytelling facets. Um, it can just be very hard to capture people who have a difficult life in a way that's dignified and doesn't feel, not that I feel like you were stripping her of her dignity, but just the fact that she's had her picture taken and she has this look in her eye, it could give you that feeling. So that would be what I would say might be the problem with this image. Yeah, you make a good point. Um, in the magazine... We will rarely publish photos of homeless people just taken for the fact that, hey, this guy looks interesting all bundled up in the corner with, in a sleeping bag. Um, although I think we'd make an exception in this one. Um, I haven't been to China. I know you see a lot of this, a lot. And uh, David, when he submitted the photo, had uh, some comments um, about, about this, or actually, maybe it was in your last, your last email. But th there's a lot of injustice there, and of course, they'll never admit it to the rest of the world. But um, and we saw a lot of this. I think as people were being displaced before the Olympics, 
Of course, maybe this is just happening all the time. They're on the street. They're tearing down their houses, sending them other places. You have those. The streets there are huge. I mean, they're all like eight lanes wide. And they have these walkways that go over the street. Matter of fact, I think one of the photos you sent to us today was taken on one of those. And, and, and there's always people on top of these walkways, either eating, living, begging, whatever. And I, and I saw a picture that's where these two people are, but probably maybe not. But I, I, yeah, by itself, it's a very strong photo, especially when you look at it big. You can't, you can't look at this in a thumbnail, and you have to take some time to look at it. And uh, I think Ashley really summed it up um, very well with the, the expressions on the people's faces. But I think this probably would be better in as part of a series that that shows what's really going on there or what's going on in this neighborhood. Mm. And and I would like to know like where they are, you know, like a wider shot of the area, wherever they are, just to see how they fit in the context of what's going on around them. I know you don't have that, but it, it makes me ask the question, what else is here? What else is going on? Which is a good thing, because uh, you want people asking questions about your photos. Did you shoot this from the hip, or did you get down, get down on a knee and take the photo of them? I think I just, yeah, I think I just sort of squatted down a little bit. Not in an Asian squat because my, my you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I felt yeah. uh, just got down as low as I could. No, guys, I and look, um, I don't really have what you might call influencers. I know some people who oh, you know, I'm influenced by uh, Eisenstadt or whoever it is, mm-hmm. but there is one British photographer who I'm a, a great fan of, and that is Don McCullen. Uh-huh. Don McCullen, you know, he's known as a war photographer. He hates the, uh, uh, the the title of war photographer, but he, more than anybody, I think, has sort of struggled with this this question of you know one's moral obligations. And I pulled out a quote which I thought was quite interesting. He said, uh, "You release the button on this hopefully everlasting image of people who are in unfortunate situations, hoping you know." If there's something that will change, is it going to do some good? And then you realize at the end of the day that it's not, it's not going to do any good at all. So, you know, when I took the photo at that time, I don't take photo, these kinds of photos anymore. But at the time I was taking them thinking that, oh, you know, we're, we're bringing awareness to a problem. It's going to increase consciousness. It's going to change things. Those were... Now, with hindsight, I can see ridiculous rationalization. Well, it's interesting you say that, because if you look back into the 1930s, I think it was Dorothea Lange's famous migrant mother photo. Um, All right. Very, very powerful. That, uh, I understand, changed many things or helped lead to to many changes during the Depression. And I like Bob's idea of adding it as a part of a series, because... I do feel sometimes that undeniably there, you know, in certain places, this is part of life there. It is. And if we document the street, it's part of it. So I think if you wind it to include maybe not a series focused on people who live in the street, but this area or this, you know, issue, and then include that in it, I think it would hold weight and not feel uncomfortable. 
It, it's very hard because uh, you know if you talk to Chinese people, I've noticed this. I used to live in London and uh, I used to do an outreach to, to homeless people and various things. And you 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 are aware roughly of the frequency of giving. If people are uh, have a, a bowl or something you can see people dropping stuff in in china almost it never happened it, it must happen otherwise it wouldn't be, be out there but the frequency if you stand and watch it could be an hour two hours before somebody drops in and what they drop in is almost almost nothing at all there's a there's a, a terrible cynicism uh in china towards people begging on the street they don't get any kind of support hardly any support whatsoever so you know i felt this moral dilemma, should I be taking this kind of, what am I doing really? Even though I might make a financial contribution, I'm still just exploiting them when they're at the lowest ebb, you know. So I don't shoot those kind of pictures anymore, but I did when I first got here. Mm-hmm. Was this photo cropped or is this straight out of the camera? Oh, you're asking me technical questions. Bro. I am. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm completely changing the subject. I haven't the foggiest idea, I'm afraid. I like my that. <laughs> just seems a little tight to me. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember we, I think it was in Angelina's evaluation, she had an image where a woman's head was slightly cut off like that. Yeah. And I thought it might look better with the whole head. But for some reason in this image, mm-hmm. I like the way her head is just a little bit cropped off. I feel like it really gives that the mm-hmm. image that feeling that you got on her level when you took it. What is that headshot guy's name? Peter, Peter, somebody or other. The headshot guy over there in, in America. He, he's like the headshot guy. Oh, in Hollywood. I think he's in LA and on the East Coast now as well. But I, I watched his stuff. I watched his stuff, and now he, he never has open air above a headshot. So I, yeah. at the time, I didn't know that. That was a pure fluke that it came out that way. But yeah, since, <laughs> since then, I'm deliberately trying to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> he got that from you, so you know he better give you credit. For that. No, I yeah, I, there's no problem with the uh, uh, having the top of her head cut off. I just I'm just interested in what's what's around there. There's a real problem in China with abducted kids who are then used mm. in this way on the street. But looking at the oh. intimacy between this child and the mother, my feeling was at the time I might be wrong. Of course, you can never know. But my feeling was that it probably was her child. But in many cases, they're not their children. They're stolen, and often they're drugged, believe it or not. They're simply comatosed, drugged out of it. And social services, police, forget it. They're not interested. Nobody gets involved. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say I feel like it is uncomfortable, yes, um, but it is a truth. It is something that's actually happening on a large scale there and in many places. So it's... It's definitely a challenge to capture those scenes in dignified ways. It's a big challenge. Well, David, so any any last comments from you? Well, I'm just very grateful to you both for uh, giving me this feedback. It's been very, very uh, educational, very uh, entertaining, very pleasant talking to you both. (laughs) And what can I say? Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And why don't you share your your Facebook, or not, not your Facebook, your... Uh, LinkedIn presence for us or website. I, I don't believe you have your own website yet, right? No, I, I don't. Um, I can give you the Flickr. Do you want the Flickr? It's flickr.com forward slash photos forward slash cosmic sausage forward slash sets forward slash. So forward slash photos cosmic sausage sets. 
any more information about that cosmic sausage thing? Or don't we want to know? Uh, you really don't want to go there. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to use that as a, as a photo name somewhere along the line. <laughs> feel free. Feel free. All right. So I have a final thought on the Flickr account, if I may, Bob. Yes. Yes, please. Okay. So I did look it over. Um, this is like a, a bonus evaluation here. Oh, there you and go. You have some excellent images there. But I think you could definitely work on curating your images, um, as in choosing only a select few to post. Some of your images are very powerful, stunning, but they can really get lost in over 100 pages of images. Yeah. And then another thing, when you have several photos from the same scene all together on a single page, I feel like they tend to blur together and they lose their impact because you feel like you're seeing a lot of images of the same thing. Um, like you have a lot of good images of people's faces on the same street. Um, but instead of loading all of those together on a page and losing your impact, I think you should work on isolating your very best images and only publishing those. I think it would make your work stand out a lot more. You're absolutely right. And it's something I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of. I, I know that's the problem. My problem, though, in response is I just don't know how to make those distinctive judgments between them. Which, mm -hmm. Should I keep this one? Should I keep that one? I ask a friend, oh, keep that one. And I ask somebody, I said, no, you should keep that one. So I'm keeping them all. And I agree, it's, it's a dog's breakfast, as we say in England. It's a dog's <laughs> breakfast. I tend to yeah. do it more. I said, you're right. Yeah, the problem with Flickr, well, it's free, and it's basically unlimited. I think you get a terabyte um, of data. So it, it's a nice place to just upload your photos as a, as a place to store them. Um, but then then that negates the ability to use it as a, as a portfolio. And really, yeah, so you want to create a portfolio of like 12 images. And you could put that in a, a gallery on, on Flickr, and that's, you know, that's where you want people to go. Uh, of course, they're going to land on your photo stream, which is everything. But, yeah, if you can pick out 12 strong images or have friends help you with that, I think you can also see on Flickr your most viewed images or most liked images. Um, not that that's always the most reliable guide, but you will see where people are spending time looking at an image. And hopefully we've helped you see some of the storytelling elements today. Um, if you can look at an image and say, what story does this tell? A lot of times that'll help because if it doesn't have a strong story, usually people won't spend time looking at it. But an image that has a really good story, you have to stay for a few moments and examine it deeper. So maybe those things can help a little. They help a lot. Thank you so much. And the photos that photos that get viewed a lot on social media look good in thumbnails. Or they might have women with not a lot of clothes on. One of those two. <laughs> and, you know, this last photo, I think, would not really stand out in a big group of thumbnails, but it's definitely worth taking some time to look at. And that's where it's nice to have a portfolio where you can display them in larger format. Forgive me for being a little bit slow here. Uh, are you saying that within Flickr, there's a way to do that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I wrote a note to myself to check this out. Okay. I believe there is, because when um, 
you visit the about page that, you know, you have an about tab in Flickr now. Um, uh, and they recently updated things too. So I'm not incredibly familiar with the new design either, but in most people's about page, they have a, you know, you can fill in written, whatever you want to quote or anything. And then, um, they have a portfolio box and a most viewed photos box with a select amount of photos. Now I'm not sure how to put that together, but it would appear that you do have the ability now. Yeah. You have albums and galleries and, uh, you know, I've been on Flickr since, I don't know, probably 2005 and I just have junk on there. I don't use it much. I really should. All right. Well, we're meandering a bit and I know Ashley's <laughs> got to run. So David, well, thanks again. Thank and, you. Thank you both very much. Yeah. Appreciate you stepping up, being a good sport. Yes. Well, I got some great feedback from you guys and learned something, so it's all good. Thank you so much again. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration, education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community. And many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. Mm -hmm.